Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brenning and Jack McEnroe. They'll be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. everyone and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, this evening joined by Jack McEnroth. Jack, happy Easter. Jack, are you there? Okay, hold on one second. Jack, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, somehow I lost you. I got disconnected. So happy Easter. How are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I didn't do I'm not I'm not real Eastery, so I didn't do much, but um yeah. all good. <laughs> real Eastery. <laughs> you didn't get a little bunny rabbit suit or anything? Well, you know, I actually have um a, like a handful of fans from the show from Project Runway who still send me um presents on every holiday and there's this one dude in particular who he sent me a full box of like Easter stuff and chocolate and all this stuff. He's yeah. So I've never met him. It's kind of bizarre, but um, I ate it all. <laughs> <laughs> but Easter's a good excuse for eating all the candy. Yeah, totally. I don't know how really like um, Easter chocolate Easter bunnies and Easter like tie hand in hand, but it works for me. So. <laughs> How are you? Good, good. Um, we did the whole family thing today. Um, you know, went over and did the Easter egg hunt with the kids. And, you know, it's fun. It's it's kind of, you know, what I think Easter, you know, for me is about is just hanging around your family. Yeah, totally. So it was totally fun. We had a good dinner, and I don't get to always see that side of the family. So, you know, it's nice to get out and see them, and, you know, even if it's for a couple hours. <laughs> That's usually yeah. all you can handle a family anyway. How close? Um, oh God! Try, you're preaching to the choir on on that whole story. <laughs> like I love you, and I love that you're three thousand miles away from me. Um, how close are you to the rest of your family? Like, I mean, um, geographically, distance or relationship? Uh, distance. Everybody is like really close. Like within a lot. Of my dad's side of the family is within like thirty minutes of me. Okay. Uh, my mom is a lot of their side of the family is in Florida and Jersey, so about you know, pretty close. Right, right, right. Yeah, my family is all in Seattle, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I have great so grandmothers that are alive. Really, that's impressive. Yeah, I have two great grandmothers alive, both on my mom's side. Oh, well, I mean, either means that they're really team. old. Either they're really old, or your your mother's side of the family was real hoary and had kids when they were like 16. <laughs> no, they're very, very old. I, I believe um, my one Nan, the one we call Nan is actually, I think, 90. <laughs> wow. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah so, I had a grandmother, um, I had a grandmother live to 90, like 90, way into her 90s. 
but um but yeah my because my dad now is 77 i think so so they're, they're getting they're they're pushing on in the years and well you know considering we're speaking of age today which is right. a nice little segue because then also my birthday's on friday and i'll be uh, another year older <laughs> <laughs> On paper, on, on paper, <laughs> in life, I'm still 33, girl. <laughs> God, that's so funny. So um, I, I just want to get, um, real quick make an announcement and let people know that uh, Justin, who was supposed to be on with us last week, um, had uh, a little bit of an emergency that he couldn't get to us to be on the show. So we rescheduled him. He'll be back on, on the 8th of May, just so for people who were interested in that uh, show about his new book, I Have a Secret. Um, May 8th will be back on But um, we do have our guest on the line And um, just real quick before I bring him on I just want to tell you a little bit about him um, His name is uh, Larry Frampton And a lot of people know him as Cowboy Larry If you're on Paz I Am Or if you've met him out You know he's a, a true cowboy to the bone um, He grew up on a dairy farm He was a professional bull rider He is a cowboy Straight through and through And he's an awesome man And I've met him when I first started Paz I Am, and he was one of those people who single-handedly helped Paz I Am become what it was because he would greet people when they came on and leave a message on their page. And so many people were just blown away by him being so nice and just saying hello um, when it was something that he didn't have to do, but that's just his personality, and he's an amazing advocate. And when I was at the uh, Positive Living Conference in Fort Walton uh, last two months, I think about two months, um, he was there doing a workshop on HIV and aging, and it kind of gave me an idea. I've always wanted him to come on to share his personal story, so I figured I could bring him on, and then he could also share his story and then talk about, you know, what it's like to be aging with HIV, because a lot of people worry about it, especially, you know, since the older generation is now starting to become infected, and it's, you know, it's a topic that a lot of people talk about, so... Well, yeah, I'm actually really excited about it. It's not just that. It's about it's, it's long-term survivors like me who've been 20-plus years. And it's like, you know, getting old is, on its own, you have your whole set of problems. Like, I'm losing my eyesight and I'm losing my hearing and various and sundry other things. But then they, they don't really know what the long-term effects are taking semi-toxic medication over a long period of time. So, you know, we're in order to save our lives, we did it, but, you know, we, we were guinea, we're human guinea pigs in a lot of senses. So I'm, uh, it's interesting there. And then actually I remember recently, I don't know if you remember this, but it was in either the New York times or New York magazine. There was a very actually sort of controversial and controversially received article about, um, they interviewed, I don't know, a handful of, of HIV positive people. And they just complained about, you know, osteoporosis and all these, symptoms that they kind of blamed um, that they had gotten prematurely because of HIV and medications and whatnot and not really proof-based. So it was, there. you know, uh, some people got really pissed about it because it kind of sends a message to people who are living long-term with HIV, like, oh, look what you have to look forward to. You know, you're going to get old and sick. So um, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really excited to hear what someone educated on the subject has to say. Yeah, so please help us welcome Larry Frampton to the show. Larry, how are you? Good. How are you today? Good. Hey, welcome Larry. to the show. Hey, uh, everything's going good. Happy Easter, everyone. Woohoo! Happy Easter to you too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get your chocolates? <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate, ham, everything, you name it. Yeah. 
That's good. That's good. So welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out with us for an hour. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, yourself, Larry. Uh, share a little bit about, um, you know, when you were first introduced to HIV um, in, in January of 1989. Well, I think you, you told a little bit about my story about me being a professional cowboy, and I met my first lover doing rodeo, and uh, we had a what I thought was a monogamous relationship, uh, but he was off doing other things, and when he contracted HIV, then he he got sick, and I had to go in and get tested at that point, and that's when I found out I had HIV, and so it's kind of you know it's kind of like a you know double whammy, and then of course back then, even in the the late 80s, they were still telling people you got three to six months to live, get your affairs in order. Yeah, and that's how they were telling people, and so, so that was tough. And you know, it, uh, and then my lover was really sick and was passing away at the time too. And so, um, I had to work through a lot of stuff with you know anger towards him and anger towards you know the world at that point because I thought I was going to to die also. But, um, you know, I couldn't let my lover pass away, you know, thinking that I was mad. And so I was there when he was dying. And um, how I got involved in HIV and fighting as an advocate was he made me make a promise that um, I would not let him die in vain and that I would work until I didn't have a dying breath left to, to help others. And so that, that's really how I got involved. I think that's, you know, uh, amazing because it's really what you do. You really do an amazing job for somebody who's a long-term survivor because a lot of long-term survivors will maybe come out and they may have acted up back in the day, but then they kind of got complacent and they don't do it anymore because they feel there's new faces out there. But, uh, you know, us new faces need the long-term survivors to tell us what it was like beforehand. And I think that's great that that's a lot, you know, that you really share is the story about what it was like beforehand because people like me didn't know what it was like to lose all your friends to AIDS. Well, and, and I, you know, I love having all the new blood that's been coming out, you, Christopher, and Kevin, a lot of you guys that are just super advocates. I just, I, I just, I love the positive energy you guys bring to to the the, the new world of HIV advocacy. Um, but, yeah, I do, I do feel kind of a sense of responsibility to remind folks that, you know, where we've been and the people that died, and, you know, a lot of us, weren't really ready to step up and be advocates, but we had to because all of our friends were dying. And the people that were really fighting were dying, and so some of us kind of got pushed into roles we weren't comfortable with, but we got comfortable real quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was diagnosed in 89, and you and I was really young. I was like 20, but, you you know, and, I, and so I was dealing with a lot of, you know, just trying to survive and go to college and do a lot of other things too, but... The government response was so you you had to in order to get what we needed, and so we you know could get funding and medication and do research and even you know get Reagan to say the word. We had he to. Never did. <laughs> I, know, I know he never did. We had to, you know, we had to be vocal and and be yeah, like you said, we were pushed into it, and it ended up being a really good thing in a in a way. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it made me do things that I never thought I would be comfortable doing, like talking in front of conferences and things like that. But, you know, now it's just second nature to me, and I absolutely love it. And, and it's and it's it's really made me a better person. Well, it, that, this is uh, kind of an aside and not, and not quite related to the topic that we're going to get to. But, um, you know, people say to me all the time, I, I get a lot of emails about, uh, oh, you know, I just found I just zero converted, or I just found out I'm HIV positive, and I'm freaking out, and and I, you know, I do a lot of as, as much as I can, not knowing someone, counseling them, and telling them like there's a lot of treatment options, and you know, you're not unlovable, and the the in all the things that you should say, but in a weird way for me, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't wish HIV on anyone, but in a lot of ways, you know, you got to look at the bright side, and I think it's done. I think definitely the positive things that have come into my life because of dealing with a life-threatening situation have definitely the positive things definitely outweigh, you know, the negatives. I mean, thank God, knock on wood, I'm still alive. I should statistically not be here, but um, it's been, I think it's been a good thing. So I try to remind people that sometimes, you know, there's a silver lining, definitely. Yeah, and it does open doors for you. And I, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm one of those that probably still shouldn't be here. I've been told three times that I have three to six months to live because I'm a cancer survivor also. And, uh, you know, you do look at life differently and you look at the world differently and you enjoy things much more. And, and you know, you're talking about talking to people that are newly diagnosed. One of the things I do here in Knoxville is I'm a certified HIV tester also. And so I'm out in the field. I'm actually out in the field working with people and testing people. And uh, and I think if you're working as an advocate, it, it helps when you're actually working hands-on with people doing prevention work, too, because you get to see both sides. And you you really learn a lot from the people that are negative. And and so I, I love doing How so? How so? What do you mean? Well, you know, they tell you a lot of things that you would never – think you know they they first off most people when they come to test they're scared to death and so they will tell you everything that they've done and so it gives us a lot of good information as to when we're working towards prevention work you know how to target these people and how to find these people so we can get these people testing because they tell us exactly you know what drugs they're using what what kind of you know street drugs what kind of you know other things that they've done and things and 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 it really does help us as prevention workers target and reach those people a little bit better. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. And I was just curious, do you, um, when you do testing, are you one of the people responsible for giving results to people? I do both, yes. yes. yes and what do, do you, people always, people always ask me, like, what do you say to someone who's newly diagnosed? So what do you say to someone who just find out, find out they're positive? Like, what's the... What's the protocol? Well, well, the protocol is, you know, you just kind of do the resources and things and you, 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 you get them into, you know, get them into a care, so, you know, get, go ahead and make an appointment to get them into care and get their, their, their confirmatory labs and things like that. Uh, for me, it's a, a lot more personal, and I think that's why it's, it's so important to have HIV-positive people out doing testing because, you know, these people are scared to death, and they need to know from someone that's living with the virus that, you know, they're not going to die, first of all. 
And second of all, that, you know, from, you know, it comes better from a long-term survivor that, you know, hey, you're going to be around for a long time. Right. You know, it's just a lifestyle change. Cool. No, it's definitely, it shows, you know, a lot when, when somebody like you continue to go out there and do it. And it means a lot to, you know, like I said, people like myself who are just starting out to see that, that you know, years out there. Same with you too, Jack, and, and you know, and dabbing away. Just you still out there doing it just really, um, you know, kind of lights the way for us and lets us know that we're still able to continue this. Because sometimes as somebody who's new to the whole arena, you know, I, I get, you know, bummed out sometimes and think maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And seeing people like you guys fight all the time is, is really something that, you know, helps me. So I appreciate both of what you do. Um, Larry, I, I saw this video that you created on YouTube, and it's phenomenal. I'm going to put the link in the chat room for people to see. Um, and in it, you talk about, in 1998, how you were um, also diagnosed with cancer. Um, yes. What was that like to be first diagnosed with HIV and then have cancer? Were you, like, I'm sure you were overwhelmed. And to be here today just shows that you have some mission, that you're here for a well, reason. Yeah. And, you know, and the, again, that was a point where I had the second and third times in my life I was told I had three to six months to live because the chemo wasn't working and they just didn't think it was gonna it was gonna work. And I made them, I forced them to make me go through a third round of chemo and people you know, and, and trust me, chemo is no fun. I mean it's it's right. it's it's hell. I lost fifty pounds and was down to ninety nine pounds. And, oh my god. Uh, and it's and I'm six months old, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's 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 not fun. But you know, I did. I I was a fighter, and I felt like you know I needed to give it that one last push, and that it, that's what pushed me over the edge and put me in remission. Um, and and I think that that mindset helps people living with HIV also. And I think that's what helped me through cancer is because it, you know the HIV made me a fighter from the very beginning, and you know and positive attitude and just, you know, you know, nev- the never say die and never give up attitude. And, and you, that's what helped um, me through that. Do you happen to know, because I had a good friend who's also HIV positive that lived through, uh, I think it was a lymphoma of some sort, and it was somehow, they don't exactly know how, but the incidence of this particular type of cancer, even if your immune system is very intact as an HIV positive person, is generally higher than the uh, HIV negative population. Do you know if your cancer was in any, any way related to your HIV status or completely not? Just well, curious. I had leukemia, which is not commonly known to be associated with HIV. Now, okay. now lymphoma is very commonly associated with HIV, and we have a lot higher risk at lymphoma cancer, and and that's just simply because you know, HIV attacks our lymph nodes, and so that just right. makes sense, right? And, right, right. Uh, uh, so the, the the risk factors for lymphoma is a lot higher, and that's that's uh, among the cancers, that's the highest risk factors for us out Got there. it. Okay. Well, I just, because I always, I always try to remind people, I mean, I've even been in ERs with, I had MRSA a couple times and, um, you know, staph infections, and I had residents tell me that, um you know, it was because I was, you know, compromised. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, my T cells are a thousand and my viral load is undetectable. I'm like, I'm as old as you, dear. 
So well, um, the sad part is we get the staph infections in the MRSA, and and ninety nine percent of the time we get them in the hospital when we're there for something else. Right. Exactly. And you know, and it's and so what I advocate and I tell people if you do have to go to the hospital. When someone comes in your room, you make sure they're washing your hands and you know, make sure they're wearing their gloves because, you know, you have to take care of yourself or else you can get mercy and you can get this stuff that is really nasty. I mean, Well, that's my, my mom was an RN and, and she's like, nobody comes to the hospital to get better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's sad. That's <laughs> an RN, huh? I know. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> That's crazy. So, Larry, tell us about the workshops that you um, that you're, you did at the Positive Living Conference. Um, you did one specifically on HIV and aging, and I kind of wanted to talk, touch on that because that's a subject that we haven't talked about on the show here. And I okay. think it would be great um, to kind of talk about, are there certain things that people with HIV should be concerned about? Well, there is. And, you know, you guys last week, you know, when uh, I listened to the show last week and Justin wasn't able to make it, but you guys touched on some things that were really important that, that you know, I normally touch on in that, and that is, you know, when you go to your doctor that you do ask the questions and you do, you do know what the labs all stand for and, you know, you do a lot of research um, and you have to be become kind of a partner with your doctor and, and have a good working relationship. And I know, Jack, you and, and Rob were talking about that last week a little bit, and that I appreciate that because that really is a big part of, you know, growing older with HIV. You, you know, taking meds alone doesn't ensure our health. And Yeah, and, and I mean, and, and I think, you know, hopefully you're going to have a relationship with this doctor for a a long time, you know, depending on what they do with their career and how long everyone sticks around. But, you know, so, yeah, like you said, it's a partnership that's going to be going on long term. So you want to make sure you feel really comfortable asking questions, being completely honest. Um, and you have just, and like I said, I think I said last week, I'm like, a doctor is just a person that's, you know, particularly educated in, in one specific arena and they may not have all the right answers, you know, and I, if, if something's not working for you, your doctor is. So yeah. you need to be able to say, hey, listen, like, I, I, I respect your opinion. I don't think this is working for me, or feel free to challenge them. So I just think it's important yeah. to put out there. One of the things that, you know, how many times do we go to the doctor and we, we tell ourselves, oh, I'm going to talk to the doctor about this, 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 and this, and this, and the doctor comes in and says, hey, Larry, how are you doing? Oh, great. I'm doing great. And he says, okay, fine. And he walks out the door. And you forget to tell him everything you had wanted to talk to him about. Um, so one of the things I always suggest to folks is, first of all, keep a journal. And especially if you're starting a new med regime, keep a journal of the side effects so that you can take that in. And, and even, you know, you don't have to take a hundred pages of your journal into the doctor because he'll freak out. But, you know, but highlight some things, you know, that are going on and say, you know, I need to, you know, is this normal? Is that normal? And these are some of the side effects that I'm going through, you know. And, you know, doctors are really good when you bring in sheets and fact sheets because they're like, oh, cool, this guy's got his shit together, you know. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so that I always 
suggest to folks that they do that. And, you know, and just, you know, I, I hand out at the, the, the conferences, I hand out a little kind of a sheet that you can take into your doctor where you just highlight some things that you're going through that you want to talk to them about so that you don't forget. Because, I, I mean, I've forgotten many times, and I know everyone does that. So it's just important to take a sheet of paper in that, has a you know a list of things that you want to talk to him about or some things that you've highlighted that you want to talk to him about. And the other well, thing, go ahead. I do think that's good too because I think um, I mean we're old school doctor you know we've been doing this for a while now but I think especially for new patients that aren't really uh, you know, comfortable and are still nervous and still dealing with it all, I think you get really flustered. I still sometimes, like I was saying last week, when I, if I, I just, you know, call in now and get my results for my blood work and stuff because it's been so long, but I still get nervous that something's going to, you know, there's going to be something awry or, and I can just imagine being, uh, be, having it be a fairly new experience. If you have that piece of paper or you have, some sort of security blanket that helps you just have a conversation. And even if it's just a few words, keywords saying like, you know, I'm having weird dreams or I'm having night sweats or, you know, this makes me nauseous or whatever, I think that's, that's, that's a good point. Well, that's why I tell people to take this form in because then the doctor will actually put that in your record and it becomes actually part of your patient's record at that point. And if at any point down the road your you know your doctor is encouraging to go on disability, you've got a lot more evidence at that point. And you know, and you know, not all of us are going to go on disability, but if you ever do need to, you we we knew that you have to have lots and lots of paperwork and documentation and lots of stuff to actually get disability. And so that type of stuff helps also. Hmm. Good point. The other thing, a lot of people. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You were going from the Go ahead. That's fine. The other thing that I I really stress folks to do with their doctors is, you know, and it's not always something that we're really comfortable about doing, but we always need to tell our doctor everything about our family history. If you have heart disease in the family or diabetes, because some of the medications that your doctor may put you on if he doesn't know that you have heart disease and he wants to put you on, like, Ziogen, for instance, you know, that may not be a good med for you if you have a, a family history of heart disease or if you have a family history of diabetes. You know, Kaletra may not be a good med for you. So they really need to know everything about your family history, too. Well, and, and also other drugs, like I have asthma and I take, at one point I was taking Flovent, and um, I take Singular and a whole bunch of other shit. And, um, I mean, I take basically a cornucopia of pills every morning just to, you know, <laughs> with my coffee just to get out the door. But, um, but you know, and I remember I changed my meds up, and they're like, oh, well, with this you can't. So I had to change my asthma medication as a result of new HIV meds. And so, I mean, all that stuff's important. Well, that's the other, the next thing, the next step that, you know, in addition to having a good relationship with your doctor, you need to build a relationship with your pharmacist because, you know, especially, you know, you really want to have all of your meds at one pharmacy because they can just plug it all into the computer and they can tell you if there's any drug interactions or any problems. Yeah. And, and they, 
pharmacists are really, really smart guys, and they will they will sit down and talk to you. And if you build a, a relationship with them, they'll they'll. I mean, mine, they ask me questions now all the time, and it's really kind of cool, uh, you know. But that's that's also very important because the pharmacist can catch a lot of things sometimes. And you know, make sure you're telling that pharmacist and the doctor, you know, what uh, herbal medications and vitamins and things that you're taking also, so because some herbal herbal medications. Um, have some drug interactions also. Yeah, and I totally recommend. Um, well, this is just my personal opinion. Is the um, the and I know some people don't have access, but here in New York, the smaller, like kind of boutique little pharmacies are, as opposed to going to like Dwayne Reed, where people don't know the, who the hell you are. You're just a number, and half the time they can't find your shit. And I just call. <laughs> My pharmacy, once a month, I'm like, it's Jack McEnroth, I'm coming tomorrow, and they're like, okay, and they just hand me a little bag full of stuff, and I'm like, I'm out, you know. So, yeah, that's so true. I think if you, and they know everything that's going on with me and know what I'm taking, and when they're like, are you still doing this? Do you still need this? And so, it's good. You're, it's a good point. So, next thing, I guess, you know, we want to, you know, talk about possible, like, um, drug interactions, and like I said, it's it's a good idea to have that uh, um, relationship with the pharmacist. Uh, but you know, there's you know, like I said, there's some uh, over-the-counter meds, and also some um, herbal medications that can, and even antihistamines and things like that that you don't think about that you just take on a normal everyday basis. You really need to let your pharmacist know everything that you're taking so that they can plug it in because you, even though smallest thing like an aspirin could have an actual reaction and so that's something you know everyone needs to know you know needs to keep up on okay um one of the things that a lot of people are concerned about and i I read a lot of blogs on it um is the from taking medications for, for so long having to deal with um some of the facial wasting or the body wasting can you talk a little bit about that cut out there on me Oh, I'm sorry, when they talk about um, the, the facial wasting or the body wasting from the long-term take, um, you know, of medications? Oh, yeah. Can you talk a little um, bit about what that, you know, is all about? Little dystrophy in the thoracic, no, I can't say that word, but uh, it's basically the facial wasting, and there's certain meds uh, like Vitex and 3TC were some of the early ones that, that cause some of the facial wasting. So a lot of the newer meds don't cause the facial wasting. Um, and, and then the, the other part is where, you know, you get all the, the, the fat that's stripped off of our limbs, off our legs and our arms, you know, and we end up looking like chicken legs, and then we have the, uh, have the, the, the belly fat. We'll, we'll get the, the med belly is what they call it. Uh, and, and so... A lot of, like I said, a lot of the newer meds we're not seeing as much issues with, but if you're on some of the older meds like the Vitex and the 3TC and and some of those older ones, um, we we've seen a lot more issues with those. Right. And uh, I do, I do have to but say, is, uh, it's a, it, it, every person is different, and all, we all we know this, of course. But um, mm-hmm. believe it or not, I took. Combivir for years and years and years and years, like through the 90s when Prodeus and Hibbertus came and went. And, um, you know, I've changed in the, in, the, in the last few years, but 
it was working for me and I was more concerned about my numbers and my health than any, and I wasn't really having any side effects. And actually I never had an issue with AZT with, in Combivir with AZT and 3TC and I never had a problem. Yeah. And so, I was on Vitex for years and I never had the facial wasting either. Now I got a little bit of the, the fat off of the, the, the legs and things, but, um, I've never really had the med belly issue, but um, there is a new med out on the market that just got approved this last year for folks that's called Agrista, that for folks that have a serious, it's called visceral fat on their med, or the med belly, um, it's an injectable med, and a lot of people don't like the, the injectable stuff, but it is an injectable med that you inject into your belly, and it actually helps get rid of that med belly. And they've had really good results with that. But um, oh. it's something you would have to have a good conversation with your doctor about. And, you know, uh, keep in mind, folks, that I'm not a doctor, and so everything you hear from me, don't say, oh, Pablo Larry told me to tell you this, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> definitely go and talk, you know, have a good conversation with your doctor. And, you know, if you, you hear something that I've brought up, just say, you know, hey, can you talk to me about this doc or whatever, you know. Uh, because your doctors are, are, are the experts on this, not I, right? Right. I agree. Um, just real quick, I just want to open the phone lines if anybody would like to give us um, a call here at the show. If you have a question for Larry, 347-215-9442, or you can post them in the chat room, um, and we will pass them over. So, Larry, is there... Well, Jack, are there talked a little bit at the beginning of the show some of the, the things that happen uh, to folks with the aging process faster for people living with HIV, and you, you, you hit one of them, bone disease. Um, a lot of folks get osteoporosis, uh, especially as we get older. If you're, if you're over 40 or 50, uh, we recommend folks to get that bone density test just because um, you, you have a tendency anyhow to lose... Uh, bone and and women especially you you women out there uh, are at a lot higher risk for osteoporosis so uh, definitely you women probably in your 30s or even you know when you think about it you know have, start having that discussion with your doctor about the the osteoporosis and getting that bone density test. Um, that's that so funny, Larry. You know what, Larry? That's so yeah. funny because I was um, coming home from Fort Walton and I was. Um, on uh, one of the jets, and, and I was sitting next to uh, Sean Stroop, and he mm-hmm. was telling me how important it was for me to get a bone density test and yep. to keep up on that. And it kind of, like, slipped my mind, and having you kind of say it again kind of put it back in. So that's something I need to talk to my doctor about. I need to make a note. But it's kind of weird because it's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah. And, you know, and, and doctors don't always bring it up because it's not something on their radar. They're always looking at your, your blood test. And so that's not something they're always concerned about, but it is something that we need to be concerned about. Um, and then, of course, diabetes. You know, if you if you have a family history, um, then there are certain meds that you may want to avoid, like Calitra and Prozista. Those two actually have a, a history that uh, that can actually cause some diabetes uh, in folks. So um, those might be meds that you want to avoid or have a discussion with your doctor about, you know, whether or not those are really good meds for you. Um, strokes, we are a, a lot higher risk for strokes and heart disease. Um, we, we have blood clots. We're 10 times more likely to have blood clots 
than normal folks, HIV folks are, are 10 times more likely. Um, kidney failure, liver failure, pancreatitis, and, and the cancers. Um, uh, besides, uh, we talked lymphoma, another cancer that's, that's very common, especially in gay men, is anal cancer. And so uh, certainly encourage uh, gay men to, you know, to go in and, and have that discussion about anal cancer with their doctor also and, and to get a colonoscopy if you're, you know, they always tell normal people to get a colonoscopy if you're over 50, but for HIVers, if you're over 40, then you might want to consider it. So the reason I think the show is so interesting is because, so before you came on air, we were talking about there was a recent article, and I think it was the New York Magazine, and then actually they're running this sort of alarmist commercial right now. I think it usually runs on Logo, but that mentions a lot of the stuff that you just said, and it's it's hard to to deliver a really comprehensive amount of information in a commercial. It's just sort of, it's a little bit more scare tactic to me, which I think is a controversy than anything else. And my question yeah. is, is that, so a lot of this stuff happens to, to anyone because you get old and your body goes to shit and you fall apart. But, you know, what, can you give some of the reasons why some of these things may be more common? And is it for people that were had developed AIDS at one point and have compromised immune systems? Or is it anyone who's been taking medication long-term? Or, like, it's kind of qualify what you just said. Sure, absolutely. Um, it's primarily for folks that are taking meds more on a long-term basis, especially with the liver failure issue, um, because, you know, your liver filters everything. And if you're taking meds for 20 years or plus, it just it's very rough on your on on your liver. And and then certain medications also can increase your 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 liver enzymes and and can be even harder on your liver. And so and same thing with your with your kidneys. There are certain HIV medications out there that can cause kidney problems. And and so you know we just have to be careful. As we grow older and as we, you know, grow older with medications, I mean, that's just, you know, we're going to have to take medications, and that's just part of a fact of life, but we need to be more, you know, careful about which ones we take and have discussions with our doctor as we grow older about, okay, well, like, for instance, I'm having issues with my kidney functions right now because my my tests are showing my kidney function levels are down a little bit, but it's because I'm on Viriad. Tenofovir is a med that can cause liver issues or, or kidney issues, I'm sorry. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to have to have this discussion with my, my doctor now about either switching off Tenofovir or, uh, you know, or and, and that's basically the discussion I'm going to have is switching off it and going to another med at this point because Tenofovir is probably the culprit that's causing me to have my kidney functions starting to slow down. I think you have to really be real vigilant when you watch your labs. Right. I mean, and I think I, um, um, what I want to uh, sort of impress on, especially in the newly diagnosed people is, because a lot of those, I mean, the first time I saw the commercial, I was like, ew, like, that freaks me out. Like, you know, and 
I mean, I've been taking medication since 19. Well, I think I started taking AZT in maybe 91. I don't even remember. But, um, but you know, it, it's it's a little bit it's – it's frightening because they're like, oh, the, the you know, gay men have a whatever time – greater chance of getting anal cancer and it's, if you're HIV positive and all this, they're throwing all these statistics out at you. And it's a very, it's really frightening. And, you know, not that at this point, you know, there are a lot of treatment options and the outcome is a lot, you know, more promising and optimistic, but you do still, it's a double-edged sword. You want to say to the newly diagnosed, okay, listen, there's a lot of treatment options. Do there's all this great stuff going on, have a great conversation with your doctor you're going to, in, in most cases, be completely fine. It's just a life adjustment. But there's the flip side where there is a lot of unknown. We don't know. We are human guinea pigs. Like, you know. Is, yeah. But the good news is not everyone's going to get all this. And as you, as you said at the beginning, you know, we're all different and we all react differently to the meds. And not everyone's going to get every side effect out there. And so, you know, we're not going to experience all of these things, you know, that these are just possibilities, and you know, but they they are things that are happening to people living with HIV. So we have to bring them up, and t- we have to talk about it. The other issue with the liver disease is one in four Americans with HIV also are infected with Hep C, and that also causes a big issue with the liver because having both. HIV and hepatitis can make, A, make your HIV even worse, and then it also increases the risk of cirrhosis on your liver. And so, you know, those folks have to even be more careful and get test, you know, get their liver function tests done even on a more frequent basis. Well, I didn't I know one in four. That's, that's a lot. It's, it's a really surprising number, but I know a lot. Several of our folks on Pause I Am are co-infected, and uh, you know it's just. And I know a lot of folks that are, um, and and I think that's more from the older days. But you know, um, when folks were were doing you know the drugs and the bars and things like that, uh, but you know. Folks, what we're finding now doing HIV testing is the IV drug users, we're not finding as much HIV and, and, and Hep C transmission in IV drug use now because the IV drug use is actually down because people are switching to meth and pills, and and, and so we're not finding a huge transmission right now in IV drug use that we used to. Hmm. So that's... That's that's a that's a big switch. Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. So so Larry, you're from Knoxville. What is yes. it like to be HIV positive in, in, in Tennessee? What is it how are the services there for maybe somebody who may be listening and don't know where to go and they were just diagnosed in your area? What would you where would you tell them or direct them to go? Well, you know, here in Knoxville we don't actually have what I would what well we don't actually have a true aid service organization. We have several organizations that do different things and so people when you're newly diagnosed you have to go one place for care, one place for, you know, uh 
other services and things. You know, there's other you know other organizations that serve you know for like food services or housing and things like that. And so, um, it, you kind of have to bounce around to a lot of agencies here in Knoxville to to get everything. You know, where in like the bigger cities, you get kind of everything in a one service stop at the aid service right. organization. Where we we don't have that here. We we have several organizations that do different things, and and they all are really good about working together and collaborating and and working with clients to make it as easy as possible. But it's got to be confusing and it's got to be frustrating for new clients to say, well, why can't I just go to one place and get everything done, you know, rather than go into four places? Right. So, now, and that's, that's is, probably the biggest frustrating thing for, for folks here in the Knoxville area. Well, I'm sure. See, I have a, a one-stop shop, like you said, and, and I couldn't imagine having to go to all these different places. You know, I'm just fortunate enough to live near, you know, a big city. That's why a lot of people who are in the rural areas always have that difficulty. That's why I was just asking if there was a certain spot. How is the ADAP crisis in your state? There are well, no people, right? Yeah, I'm right glad now. you brought that up. Um, actually, um, I, I, before I talk about that, I wanted to talk about, uh, briefly, I know Dab and a bunch of folks from Florida are going to Tallahassee tomorrow to fight for ADAP monies and HIV prevention monies in Florida. And, you know, if you don't live in Florida and you don't think that, that the problems down in Florida affect you, you're dead wrong. Uh, I think Florida is just the tip of the iceberg, and I think we're going to see problems in a lot of states across the country because budget cuts are happening in every damn state across the country, and we have already designated in the state of Tennessee here that by the end of the year, we know for a fact that we're going to have a waiting list. We know we are. And so, you know, so those folks that are fighting down in Florida, I want to just let them know, you're not just fighting for Florida, you're fighting for everyone. So, you know, we need to back those folks and and give them the the props for for fighting like they are down there because they're doing a hell of a job. Yeah, and just so anyone who doesn't happen to know and who may be newly diagnosed, ADAP is a godsend. It's an AIDS drug assistance program, and it's a federal program, but it's I think it's regulated on a state by state basis, and all the it's, you qualify by income and um, various and other uh, qualifications. But I, it saved my life. It saved a lot. It saves a lot of people's lives that are that can't afford medication, and you know if you don't have insurance. Medication well, can be thousands and thousands of dollars a month, so it's very important. Yeah, that's that's true. And then, then in addition, Ryan White also administers the insurance assistance program, which helps pay co-pays for folks. And if there's a waiting list for ADAP, there's always generally a waiting list for the insurance assistance programs also. And so it's kind of a domino effect, and it really you know bombards us and hits us all at once. And then we we are scrambling to get folks meds, both that were on the AIDS drug assistance program, and then also the folks that had private insurance but now can't afford to pay their copays because they they got bumped off of insurance assistance. Right, and I do want to remind people that in the back of HIV Plus magazine this this month, um, I can't remember who's on the cover. I can't. Do we establish if it's Annie Lennox? Annie Lennox. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, 
there's a really great um, whole like grid of it has every medication and like how you can get assistance by like going to certain agencies or going directly to the drug company and so that might be something someone would be interested in looking at. And if you are in that that situation, go to your case manager because your case manager generally, well, I know here in Tennessee, I know, and, and most other states do too, your case manager has right on their computer where they can just fill out the paperwork right there for you to get you on patient assistance programs. And it's 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 quick and easy, and it's um, – you know, generally, you know, fairly fairly quick whether or not you're going to get on. The drug companies have done a really good job of helping folks get on those patient assistance programs. And then there's another organization called Well Vista out of North Carolina that works with all of the drug companies. And when a state has a waiting list, they work with those states to get those meds. Uh, What's that, what those was that called? That agency? It's an organization called Well Vista. And uh, they only work with states that have waiting lists. And so if your state is getting ready to have a waiting list or they have a waiting list, then I'm sure they've already been contacted by Well Vista and Well Vista is already working with them to to help kind of bypass you know, everyone doing all their individual patient assistant program works. They do they basically do the legwork for everyone and do the patient assistant program work for everyone and get the meds through uh, the patient assistant programs and, and do it through their program and it's it's a really good program. Cool. Interesting. Um, Larry, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um are you familiar with Candida? Yes. Fresh? Okay, there's the thrush candida, but then there's a regular candida that isn't necessarily uh, thrush-related, like you're in your mouth. Okay. I'm Are not familiar that, with that familiar with the regular. I'm very familiar with thrush uh, because all of us in the early years had thrush, but I'm not that familiar with the regular now. Okay. Well, then forget that. I just wanted to know if that was common at all. You know what I mean? I think it's generally along the same lines as the regular thrush is just not in your mouth. So, um, okay. anyway, we'll just skip over that. Um, we have uh, 10 minutes left. If you guys want to call the show, uh, reach us here, 347-215-9442. Um, Larry, is there anything else you wanted to touch on about um, aging and HIV that maybe we didn't cover yet? Yeah. You know, the, the, another cancer that, uh, you know, people have forgotten about that, that people really had a lot of in the 80s, early 90s was one called Carposi sarcoma and that's where you saw the little the red blotches on people and you saw like in the movie Philadelphia the guy had them all you know Tom Hanks had them all over him um, mm-hmm. that kind of went away for years but we're seeing a comeback of that and that's 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 kind of disturbing but we're seeing a comeback of that and and you know a lot of the new meds and things kind of pushed that out of the the wayside for a while but for some reason with the uh, the drug resistance and things like that, we are seeing a comeback. And it is mostly coming back in, like, long-term survivors, folks that have been... Interesting. Now, is that, is that people with very suppressed immune systems, or it's there um, a rhyme or reason we've to that? We've actually seen it in some folks that had pretty high T-cells, too. So it's just, it just you know, it just I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know exactly what is causing it, or why it's happening, or it's just, it's just 
It could be some drug resistance that's built up with certain meds, or right. you know, they just don't really know exactly what's caused that to make a comeback. I but remember that. I'm seeing the comeback of that. Well, I was gonna say I remember, and I know you remember. Everyone had it. Oh, yeah. everyone had it. You just see and everyone walking down the street. Everyone knew yeah. that everyone had AIDS, or everyone knew that you know your friends had it because. That's the first thing we saw on our friends was those blotches, and that's why you well, knew. This is kind of a warped story, but um, I had a boyfriend who passed away in 1996, and um, I remember being out in Miami, and I was diagnosed at 20, so I felt like a leper, like, you know, and I, I just saw all alone, and everyone who I knew, I mean, you just, people people di- were dying. And so I, I was, I, and very, people were not so forthright about their HIV status. And I met him on the dance floor because he had KS on his arm. So I knew he was HIV positive. I mean, he was gorgeous. That also helps. But, um, but I remember, I didn't say it at the time, but I was like, Oh, I recognize that. I'm like, Oh, cool. We're both HIV positive. This is not going to be an issue. And like that kind of endeared me to him in this weird warped way. And I know that's kind of fucked up, but, <laughs> You know, hey. But that's how we identify people. I mean, it is yeah. how we sometimes identified other HIV positives because we were well, well, we were that? kind of out there on an island by ourselves at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah I told him the next day I'm like the reason I came up and talked to you is because I knew you were HIV positive and he's like really how I'm like well I know that's chaos and he's like he's like oh really I'm like yeah I'm like I'm too and he's like oh cool. <laughs> so, it's such a romantic story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was cute. No, that's funny. So, Larry, what what work are you doing um, now in in Tennessee? What am I doing now? Yes. What are you doing? Like now, I know you said you were you said you were somewhere tonight at an event or something. Well, I I just got back from state meeting. I, I'm on the state of Tennessee's community planning group, and we had our meeting this last week in Nashville, and so I was there until Thursday, and we were working on our priority populations that we're going to be funding for the state of Tennessee. Uh, so I'm involved in the politics on that level also. and uh, But then um, I'm still doing a lot of HIV testing here in town, and Still traveling and doing conferences. I'm going to um, Heartsong in Alabama next month. So uh, that's the next one I'm going to be doing. And um, just, you know, any anyone that wants me to come and talk, I'm willing to do it. And I do a lot of uh, educations here locally also, too. Will you be at the, um, the conference um, in Chicago put together by Paul Kawada? Um, is that the, which one is that one? I'm going to be at the, the AIDS, the ADAP Advocacy Association one I know in July. I'm going to be at that one in D.C. Yeah, I'll be at that one too. I'll have to send you the information. I I forget the name of that one that I'm talking about, that Paul runs. I I think I've heard of it, but yeah, I, I, there's so many on my calendar. I couldn't, they get kind of blurry after a while. Right. (laughs) Oh, but this year someone, I'm going to be doing a lot more. If someone wants to get a hold of you or find your, do you have a website or how do they do that? 
Well, the best way is either on Pause I Am or also on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, Larry Frampton, and just look for the little cowboy on Facebook. You'll find me. Uh, or, or, or you can just email me at Knoxville Cowboy. It's Knoxville, the city Knoxville, and then CWBY at AOL.com. Cool, cool. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Larry. Oh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I. I I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, Robert. You know that. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I'm a fan of yours. So you have a great um, – enjoy the rest of your Easter. Yeah. <laughs> Go eat some more chocolate and good crash. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Bye. Thank you guys so much. He's such a great guy. Um, he's amazing. I've, I've seen him, you know, a couple times at the ADAPT one, but – so I got to sneak into his workshop for a little bit and the one in Fort Walton, and he was just really, it was amazing. The room was packed with a whole bunch of guys who were so obviously, you know, interested in learning about aging and HIV and the important things that he was talking about, like he was earlier. So uh, he's just a great guy, and he has great energy. Um, I meant to ask him, and I'm sure it's no secret, how old is he? Uh, you know? No. We're going to say 29. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm saying 29, so he has to be older than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So actually, uh, next week uh, we're going to be speaking with um, Anthony, and I'm going to say his name wrong, so Talamina from the My AIDS campaign. Uh, some people on Facebook may have been seeing the photos going around where you uh, you add your photo to it and you create your own campaign promoting what you do. And, um, yeah, so he's going to come on and talk about that and – that project and how he's promoting and really helping kind of shed light on, you know, people like us who have small little projects that, you know, are doing certain things. So I think it's great that you can check that out uh, when he comes on next Sunday. Cool. So other than that, Jack, I think it was a great show. He did wonderful. Yeah, it was fun. I, he, was great. Watch, he was great. I'm ready to watch my Desperate Housewives and Brothers and Sisters. <laughs> I know. I got to watch, I gotta watch uh, Home Makeover and Cry before I go to sleep. <laughs> makeover and what? I gotta cry. It always makes me cry. <laughs> I'm a big old puss. Ooh, oh That's yeah, funny. I'm a big old crybaby. <laughs> so, do you have anything coming up? Um, I hadn't thought about it. Probably, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, well then I will. Um, Without the show. So, everyone else, thank you all for tuning in. You can find more information on myself at posim.com, more information on Jack McEnroth at jackmcenroth.com. Um, and everybody, enjoy your Easter. Thank you all for tuning in. Jack, have fun. Cheers. Be good. Bye. Thank you so much, Sandy. Bye. <laughs>